0: you faces out there. Uh, my name is Paul, I'm the minister here. Let's um, pray again and ask for God's help. Lord, we, we just praise you that we have great freedom in this country to meet together, to sing your praises, to hear the word, to encourage each other. Uh, please make us a people who, who long to sit under the scriptures and be changed by it. That's up for Jesus' sake. Amen. It was Shakespeare who said these words life is but a, a walking shadow a, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more it's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying, signifying nothing that's what Shakespeare said if you know the comedian uh, Tony Hancock a great English comedian he wrote a skit, it went like this what have you achieved? what have you achieved, you, you've lost your chance me old son you've contributed absolutely nothing to this life you're a waste of time being here at all, there's no place for you in Westminster Abbey the best you can expect is a few daffodils in a jam jar and a black stone bearing the legend he came and he went and in between nothing nobody will even notice you're not here after about a year somebody might say down the pub, oh where's old Hancock haven't seen him around lately Oh, he's dead, you know. Is he? The irony is that about a few months after he wrote that skit, Tony Hancock took his own life. He committed suicide. I don't know whether you ever feel like that. You know, what is the point of life? Why are we here? Where are we heading? You know, life seems to be this endless sort of treadmill. You know, you get up, you go to work, you eat some food, you go to bed, and the cycle begins again. Ecclesiastes sums it up quite well he says meaningless, meaningless everything is meaningless says the teacher what's the point of life? what's the purpose of being here? I guess that's why I mean so, so many people have the so-called Monday morning feeling you know work is just this this dredge and it's no matter how, how nice the environment is or how much music you listen to or how many lattes you drink work is this, this chore it's toilsome I know some people love their work; they find satisfaction in it. But but surely everyone has that moment where they they stop and they think, "What's the point? Why am I working sixty hours a week, forty eight weeks a year, doing this? Why do I channel my energy and my my stress levels into this this project?" And I guess that's why people have these so called midlife crises where they you know quit the job. And, and they sell the house and they, they buy the boat and they go on some adventure but after a while that's just meaningless it's just the way we're wired isn't it if we've got a goal something to achieve something to work for we're kind of satisfied we've got a purpose it's a bit like uh, playing a game of footy you know you, you can have great tackles you, you can nail your line outs, you can have great ball skills but you know, if there's no try line if there's no goalpost, what's the point of the game? Do you ever think that about life? You know, what's the point? Why are we here? And I'm sorry if that's a depressing start to this sermon, but the Bible is, re- is very realistic. Without an endpoint, without a goal, without something to aim for, life is just meaningless. So let's just stop for a moment and think, what gives you your purpose in life? What gives you your, your meaning? What's your, your goal of life? Maybe you're thinking of your career or or your family or your property or your sporting achievements or or your popularity what are you working for how would you answer someone who stopped in the street and said what's your goal in life why are you here about 2000 years ago Jesus Christ took a journey he's on a journey to Jerusalem Jerusalem and all these parables we, we looked at over the last six weeks are part of that journey he's now about twenty miles away from Jerusalem it's kind of like he, he's reached manly he's a fair ride away from the opera house and the expectations are really high so look at verse 11 uh, while they were listening to this he, he went on to tell a parable because he was, near, he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once if, if Jesus really was the Messiah they expected celebrations and fireworks and triumph and jubilation but but Jesus had already warned his disciples he hadn't come to be that kind of king just look back to chapter 18 verse 31 we're going to Jerusalem and everything that's written by the prophets about the son of man will be fulfilled he'll be handed over to the Gentiles uh, mock him, insult him, spit on him flog him and, and kill him and on the third day he'll rise again see Jesus knows he's coming to Jerusalem not to lead a revolution but to be mocked and spat on and hung on the cross to die but the people gathering they think the kingdom of God is going to come soon that's the problem and Jesus says no no the kingdom of God it comes in three stages stage one is the incarnation remember when Jesus stepped into the world stepped into our time space world and he said what? repent the kingdom of God is, is near it's at hand uh, stage two is, is the, the cross and the resurrection he said it is finished remember come to me I've taken your sins away come to me but when you've come to Jesus you're not in glory yet when you've come to Jesus you don't have all the the glories of heaven yet we're waiting and we're longing for stage 3 and stage 3 is what? it's his return the time when the heavens will open and the trumpets will sound and he will return with blazing fire and he'll come to wrap up this world but the question is what are the disciples of Jesus supposed to do between stage 2 and stage 3? between his resurrection and his return what are you and me supposed to do how are we supposed to live that's the big question that's why he wrote this parable and if you grasp what we're supposed to do it'll add perspective and meaning to your life it will give you a purpose it will give you a goal to life you see this is revolutionary there's a man who goes to a faraway land to receive a kingdom verse 12 look at it a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return and of course that man's name is Jesus Jesus is the heir of the world he's not claimed his kingdom yet he's going to leave this world he'll come back but in the meantime verse 13 his disciples have got work to do verse 13 he called ten of his servants and gave them ten miners. put this money to work he said until I come back He gives them all a minor. Each mine is worth about 100 drachmas. That's, That's three months' wages. And they have a responsibility. And the main point is that, listen carefully, he says this, The king is coming, so serve him now. Because the king is coming back, that radically shifts your purpose of life. Because you know that Jesus will return, it will radically shape the way you spend your time here on earth. If you're really convinced that Jesus will come back, it should transform your attitude to this life. You see, we're heading somewhere. This world is heading somewhere. There's point to my life. There's there's something worth living for. There's something worth working for, and it's called the new world, it's called the kingdom it's like that, sort of, that deadline at work isn't it so you spend what days and weeks just surfing the net because you're bored and you're tedious nothing to do and suddenly you've got a deadline and suddenly you start working there's something to work for it's like if, if you're in a dating relationship and you, you've got a wedding to plan and suddenly that, that, that relationship has, has something to head towards there's a day to look forward to I spoke two weeks ago about my, my godmother Betty, who she called me one Tuesday and she told me that she was dying and she had six months to live and you know we sat down and she talked and she she told me she loved me and she gave me a Bible and because she knew the end was coming it changed the way she lived now and because we know that Jesus is coming back it will radically shape what you do in the here and now there was a time when the church was kind of obsessed with the return of Christ but I reckon the church today is so entrenched in this world and this world claims to offer so much we've become so earthly Minded, and I wonder if we had you know, the return of Jesus as our, as our backdrop of life and the return of Jesus as my screensaver then perhaps it would change my perspective on, on my work today and my relationships today and what we invest our time in, the people we spend time with because life's not just a treadmill life is actually a travelator that's heading towards a goal and that goal is the next world and the return of Jesus and the big challenge for you tonight and for me tonight is this how will you use what God has given you now in the light of the return of Jesus how will you use the resources and the gifts that God has given you in the here and now see those four words in verse verse 13 are really important the last four words put this money to work until I come back until I come back he says I am coming back so how are you going to use what you've got to serve me as king in the here and now because there'll be a day verse 15 when Jesus will be made king and he will come back to earth and he'll send for his servants that's us and he'll find out what they've gained for him and the question will be have you used what I've given you for my kingdom have you really lived with a kingdom mindset? In this parable, Jesus divides the parable into three types of people. And if Jesus were here tonight, he'd kind of look out and he'd see all these people here tonight. The first one are the rebels, the rebels who reject Jesus as king. And these people want nothing to do with Jesus. Look at verse 14 it's strong language it's not just indifference it's not apathy look at it his subjects they hated him and they sent a delegation after him and said we don't want this man to be our king just to give you some background the original hearers, hearers would have resonated with that you see a few years before this parable was written uh, the, the great king Herod the Great he died and his son Archulus went to Caesar Augustus to ask to be crowned king over Judea but the Jews hated Herod as so they sent a delegation of 50 people to oppose his appointment to king and now Jesus says I've stepped into, into my world, I, I've come to be king in my world but my people are going to reject me Something he Jesus came to his own but his own people didn't receive him and the Jewish authorities didn't send a delegation to ask this man not to be chosen what did they do they mocked him they called him a blasphemer and then they crucified him why verse 14 we don't want this man to be our king isn't that true today you see every man woman boy and girl on this earth are actually subjects of Jesus Christ you know Colossians 1 says that Jesus created all things all things were made for him and by him we all belong to Jesus and yet the vast majority of our world what 80% 90% they still reject Jesus as king it's more subtle than the delegation people say "Oh, oh Jesus is too demanding the idea that Jesus demands my life my soul my life, it's too full on or they say I like the idea of Jesus forgiving me and Jesus my friend but Jesus being my king and my boss I'll I'll fly my own plane I'll I'll live my own life I'll disguise it as indifference or ignorance or not quite interested and Jesus is very blunt in verse 14 isn't he, he says they hated him people hated Jesus and that's the issue isn't it people don't want Jesus to be king of their life they say my kingdom come and my will be done and you must know people like that there must be people who you know your friends, your family, maybe you're sitting here tonight who say I don't want Jesus to be king of my life and the verdict in verse 27 is pretty harsh look at it verse 27 those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them bring them here and kill them in front of me he's saying if people reject me as king in the here and now they'll pay with their own life and that's right isn't it Jesus cannot allow rebels into the new world otherwise heaven will be tainted within hours a new world full of people who don't want Jesus as king who think that they make the rules. still that would be disastrous see that's a message our world needs to hear if there is a judgment day which there is if Jesus is going to return which he will it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a judging and rejected God and down in verse 41 of this chapter Jesus wept as he entered Jerusalem and like Jesus we need to weep as we warn people not to keep on rejecting him as king that's the first group of people the rebels who reject Jesus as king I don't know maybe you're here tonight still saying I don't want Jesus King in my life but this parable is about disciples over the years as a minister I reckon there's there's two big mistakes people make about Christianity the first mistake is this people think you get to heaven by good works you know do good things and you get to heaven and and of course we we know that's not true you're saved by grace it's not what we do it's about what Christ has done but listen to the second mistake people make and listen carefully people think you can get to heaven without good works people think you can get to heaven without good works that's a mistake now, of course salvation and forgiveness is a gift it's given to us and we, we can't earn grace but, but we can and we must give evidence of grace in our lives it's what John says whoever loves me will obey my commands it's what, what James said faith without works is dead and it's what Jesus says in this parable if you really do belong to me show it by using what I've given you to serve me you claim to follow me show me So on that last day it's not enough to put up your hands and say here I am Lord how do we know God won't say to me oh, away from me you evil doer. I never knew you how do you know and Jesus says show me the fruit look at your life is there evidence that you're using what I've entrusted you to honour and to serve Jesus as king that's the thrust of this parable see the second group are are the good servants who faithfully serve Jesus as king look at them with me verse 16 the first one came to him and said sir your miner has earned ten more well done my good servant because you've been trustworthy in a small matter take charge of ten cities and the second came and said sir your mine has earned five more and his master answered you take charge of five cities the man earned ten miners a thousand percent increase he's he's been totally faithful he's worked hard for Jesus and he's rewarded the second man he earned five miners 500 percent increase he worked hard for Jesus he's been rewarded the question is what are the miners and what are the cities what are the miners the miners are not just money there are three options for the miners, the miners could be the Holy Spirit you know, the spirit that God gives to each and every Christian when they turn to Jesus, we've all got him inside of us, it could be the gospel message that's been entrusted to us we've all been entrusted with that, it could be gifts or talents that God has given us but surely it's all three you know if you've turned to Christ if you said he's your king you've been equipped to serve by the presence of the spirit the spirit's given Christians gifts and talents to be used for him we've been entrusted with the gospel to proclaim and what is the reward the ten cities the five cities it's not just heaven divided into territories he's saying actually that the way you use your gifts now it will enrich heaven for you or the way you use your gifts now it will actually enrich this life as you serve him so you know the more you love Jesus now the more you love him now the more you'll love him then And if you're working for things at last if you're working not for property and not for possessions but for people what a joy heaven will be you know to see people in heaven that, that you've worked hard for that you've explained the gospel to that you've invested time in that that you've used your gifts to encourage and to spur on that's a great joy and this parable is really quite simple it's really simple he says this because Jesus will come back he is coming back use your time use your energy use your resources use whatever gifts God has given you to serve him to grow his kingdom to build his church in the here and now and that changed mindset is, is, is absolutely beautiful to watch it's beautiful to watch you know the Christian who has grasped that they're working for eternity and the man who, who sacrificially uses his time to serve the kingdom and the woman who, who selflessly gives of her talents not to earn popularity not to pay off a mortgage but to see Jesus' kingdom grow that is beautiful and the more we love Jesus the more we live with Jesus as king now the more we utterly soak ourselves in Jesus, his sovereignty his sufficiency, his supremacy the more you want to serve him and that's a sign of true discipleship see if you're utterly convinced that he is coming back it'll radically change your mindset you know we'll love to spend our Saturday mornings meeting up with someone to read the Bible because we're working for the future and we'll willingly mop the floor or cook the food for a course because we're kingdom minded. And we'll have the mindset you know, God has given me these gifts of administration or, or graphic design or, or teaching kids, so how can I use them to serve Him? And we won't always think I need my space and my time, but we think, how can I serve my king? And, and sure, it will be a sacrifice to give up a Sunday afternoon to do PA or to play in a music team, but. Isn't it wonderful to see people doing that joyfully and willingly here at church because we're working for the kingdom? what about replenish? You know, what's the point of doing a course on discipleship if you don't actually get out there and use it? What's the point of doing a course on the evangelism if you don't actually get out there and do it? It's not just church. The good steward who has that, that kingdom mindset, that Jesus will return mindset, their whole life is changed. So your work changes. Your work has significance. You can help society, you can feed your family, you can give to gospel work, you can develop skills that will enrich you, and, but they can be used for God's kingdom. See, the good steward knows that Jesus is coming back, and so they faithfully use their resources in the here and now. There's a story of, of three men who were working on a building site, and someone came out to them and said, Oh, oh what are you doing? and the first man said oh I'm just just breaking rocks and the second man said oh I'm just earning some money to feed my, my wife and my kids and the third man said oh I'm building a cathedral three men doing the same job but one had a kingdom and end time mindset and if you're a good faithful servant I want to urge you to use whatever God has given you in the here and now to serve him and to grow his kingdom the third category is actually the, the big challenge it, it's the wicked servants who failed to serve Jesus as king look with me in verse 20 another servant came and they said sir here's your miner I've kept it and laid away as in a piece of cloth I was afraid of you because you are a hard man you take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow see these are people who claim to belong to the master but they've done absolutely nothing with what God has given them now why is that? it's because they've got a wrong view of the master, isn't it? they've got a wrong view of their master they thought their master was harsh they thought he was a hard man now how could they say Jesus was harsh when he'd been so generous he's just rewarded these first two men and even if that was true they got the wrong view of him at least they could have earned interest this is a man who hasn't understood God's generosity he's a man who hasn't grasped God's grace he hasn't understood judgment day or eternity and so he's a fool no he's actually wicked verse 22 he says you wicked servant you knew did you that I'm a hard man he's being sarcastic you knew did you that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow why have you done nothing then You know, he'd been entrusted with gifts he'd been given much and he rocks up face to face with his his giver his creator and says here it is I've kept it for you here you are God um, here's my gift of admin I, I haven't used it I've taken no risk with it here's my gift of hospitality I didn't like to use it because I was afraid that someone might abuse me and take advantage of me here's my gift of teaching I, I, I was too busy and too tired to really use it and Jesus says you fool you fool you've ended up with nothing verse 24 take his minor away from him and give it to the one who has ten minors that's the warning in Luke's gospel he's actually quite ambiguous we're not quite sure whether this guy is actually saved on that last day Matthew's account of the same story is much clearer Jesus says to this man this wicked servant he says away from me throw him into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because this is a kind of man or woman who, who masquerades as a follower of Jesus. They claim that Jesus is their king, but they sit in church, they keep their head low, they plod along, but there's no real relationship. Because they never serve, they never do anything for Jesus. Why don't people serve Jesus as king? Why don't people use what they've been given now to serve for the kingdom? why is there that pervasive attitude of of workaholism but no time to use their resources to serve God why I think fundamentally it's this people have got a wrong view of Jesus people have got a wrong view of Jesus Christ and if for some Jesus is too harsh he's too demanding he's too controlling they haven't been overwhelmed by his grace and his goodness and his kindness for some he's just not worth laboring for and there's more satisfaction in, in working for earthy things there's, there's more joy in seeing results in the here and now You know, we've never really changed his mindset to say that we're not about this world we're about the world to come and so our churches are full of reluctant people or resentful people or just pew warmers who fail to serve Jesus as King now why is that? we talk about hardness you know, life is too busy, I'm too tired I'm too exhausted we talk about laziness, somebody else can do it, I haven't got the gifts to do it, we talk about the if only, if only I had this gift then I'd serve, if only I was musical then I'd serve, I heard someone say two weeks ago I don't move chairs, that's not my gift and maybe we're just glory seekers you know, I'm happy to use my resources to serve God and to, to serve his kingdom as long as I receive the reward in the here and now and get the pat on the back but the real attitude the real reason my friends is this like this wicked servant it's a superficial affiliation to Jesus he's just an add on he's just something else to do with my life and and the reality he's going to return and I've been given things to use to serve him it hasn't really impacted you and so we don't use what God has given us passionately and prayerfully and selflessly this is really a warning against passivity the people who are happy to come and to sit and to listen and they like what they're hearing until suddenly you realise I'm talking about you and I'm asking you to actually take up your gifts and your time and your resources and serve our King and then you start to sink down in your seats and your heads are bowed and you're saying please don't look me in the eye I want to encourage us friends there is such joy in serving Jesus there's massive joy in serving for the kingdom verse 26 is so too I tell you to everyone who has more will be given but as for the one who has nothing even what he has will be taken from him he says if you, if you use what you've got to serve the king you'll receive more oh, not more money not more popularity but more joy and a deeper relationship with your king and you know, the more you serve, the more you use your gifts, the more you love Jesus, and the more you want to serve him. And of course, there's a danger of burnout. We need balance, we need rest, we need refreshment. But I'm talking to the minority there. The majority here need to hear this: If we keep our foot in both camps, you know, one foot in the world, working hard for the world, one foot just giving a nod to Jesus, you're taking the biggest risk of your life. The true servant who's understood grace. Who says Jesus is my King and He is coming back, they'll serve Him joyfully, wholeheartedly. Meaningless? Meaningless? Utterly meaningless, says Ecclesiastes? No way. The gospel actually transforms your whole mindset, your whole attitude to this life and the world to come. You know, my gifts, my talents, they're not just for me. We're serving a King who's coming back. Uh, My life, my future, it's not unknown. I know where I'm heading there's an end point it's called eternity and that is radical isn't it and I pray it will shape your heart and your mind and if you are a faithful servant you'll use the resources joyfully willingly because our king does return he is returning and when he does we'll hear those words well done well done you good and faithful servant you a moment now to think and to pray and then I'll close in prayer